In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Whenever we come before the scriptures, we feel the awe of the presence of God. And we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit who is knitting the history of the whole salvation of mankind from day one till the second coming. Especially on this day, let us knit together a few verses to find out the beauty of the divine plan, the beauty of the work of the Holy Spirit in the history of creation and in your personal life and in my life. We know that we are celebrating the Passover. That's why our title is From a Passover to the Passover. Let me take you back to the book of Joshua and chapter 5. tells us about the first Passover after they inherited the land, after the Israelites went into the land of promise. And here what the scripture tells us. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10 to 12. It says, on the 14th day, they celebrated the Passover at the evening in the plains of Jericho. Yes, it's not here. Verse 11, and they ate on the next day the unleavened bread of the corn of the land, and the manna ceased after they ate of the corn of the land. So the manna was with them for 40 years, but ceased on the day of Passover. To tell them from now on, you return back to the crops of the, of the land. Jesus came in John chapter 6 and told us, I am the true manna, not like your forefathers when they ate the manna in the wilderness and died. And he came in the same day of seizing of the manna to resume the real manna. I am the true manna who came down from heaven. So we'll find him in the same seder. Seder means order of the Passover to show them that I am the true manna. It was seized on the day of Passover and now it is the Passover. He used to do the same. He was baptized by St. John the Baptist to end the baptism of repentance and to receive the Holy Spirit and to institute for us the baptism of receiving the Holy Spirit. He did the same on this day. He ended a Passover to start the Passover. To tell us from now on, the Passover will have a different meaning. We, we read today the story of the institution of the sacrament from the Gospel of St. Matthew. But let me read it with you from now from the Gospel of St. Luke. We'll find something different from the narrative of St. Luke to the other narratives of St. Peter, St. Matthew, and St. Mark. So we'll read from the verse 17, and please gaze your eyes with me. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So they drank from the cup. Verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. It's the only gospel that is recording two cups that the Lord was using during the Passover. 
again to understand better what was going on on that day. Is it one cup or two cups or even more? We have to go back to the Jewish tradition. The Jewish tradition kept at the time of Jesus and why we are saying at the time of Jesus, every single Jewish feast has three stages of development. Moses received the feast in a certain way, very simple way, which is in the book of Exodus chapter 12 to chapter 14. Then it has made developments till the time of Christ. So we, are, we would like to know what Jesus did exactly and why there is a mentioning here of two cups. Then there is a third development of all the feasts after the destruction of the second temple. They have to modify everything because there is no sacrifices anymore. Because, but we will focus more now on the feast during the time of Jesus. So why it is mentioned in the Gospel of St. Luke, two cups. Let me go back with you to the book of Exodus, and it's chapter 6. Let us read these verses together, and again, get your eyes on the red part. Therefore, says the Lord to children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from, the, from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, out, outstretched arms and with great judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. We are here for expressions. That's why at the time of Jesus, we have to drink four cups. Each cup is resembling one of the four actions. Bring you out. Rescue, redeem you, I will take you as my people. So, what does it mean? First of all, I will take you out, bring you out. The first cup is called the cup of sanctification. We'll see how the Jewish tradition kept it and how we as a church in the New Testament has to enjoy the abundance of grace in the light of Christ. I will take you out bring you out, I will set you apart from the land of slavery, from the Egyptians. I will sanctify you in a different way. So the first cup is the cup of sanctification, and it's at the very beginning of the Passover meal. So the Lord in Luke chapter 22, the first cup is the cup of sanctification. Then I will save you or I will rescue you from another translation how the Lord was rescuing or saving them on that time through the ten plagues. So the second cup is called the cup of plagues. And this cup is not mentioned in the Gospel of St. Luke because they don't have to drink it. They have to dip their fingers in the cup ten times and to name how we have been rescued and to name the ten plagues. So the first cup is a cup of sanctification. We are called out of the land of slavery. Second one, how we are called, how we have been saved is through the templates. Then the third one, I will redeem you. The third cup is mentioned many times in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, and we'll see it in a minute. So it's the cup of, of blessing and, and redemption. And how he was redeeming him, them, it is through, through the last plague, through the killing of the Passover lamb and the death of the firstborn of all the Egyptians. So he redeemed us. He gave us life 
through the death of the Passover lamb and through the defeat of the enemy. All the Egyptians, they were wailing for losing their firstborn. The fourth cup, I will take you as a nation and I will take you as my people. He's telling us once more here, the fourth cup is the cup of praise. So in, in the end, you will hear it many times in the three Gospels, and after that, they praised the Lord, and they went out to Gethsemane. So the four cups are, first one is the cup of sanctification, second one is the cup of plagues, third one is the cup of blessing and redemption, and the fourth one is the cup of praise. Let us go further and to see how we can find this more in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. During the Passover meal, we have to sing Psalms 113 to 118. Please, when you go home, read them together. I lift up the cup of salvation. I call on the name of the Lord. He's telling us again, because now I am ending the Passover and I'm instituting the Passover, which will remain for you, with you forever. If you imagine, this is the main concern that was in the mind of the Lord a few hours before his death. From now on, I came for this mission to give you my life. That's why the center of the worship of the church all over the 20 centuries is the Eucharist. We are here to receive the life of Christ. As St. Paul says, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, that the life of Christ may be manifested in your mortal bodies. But there's something very important. This is the shadow of good things to happen in the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament? The Gospel of St. Luke mentioned only two, two cups because the second one is not to be drunk. It's just to dip your fingers in the cup and to name the ten plagues. The first one is the cup of sanctification, how we see it in the light of Christ. The meaning of the word church, ek ekklesia, ek is meaning out, klesia from the verb kala, which means called. So we are those who are called out of the world to be sanctified by uniting ourselves with the person of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. But we are not in isolation of the world because we are going to be sent in the end of the liturgy, every liturgy, go in peace. Go with the love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be the yeast of the world. So we are not called to be isolated from the world. We are sanctified from the world and sanctified for the world in the same time. Second cup, the cup of plagues. The Egyptians or the Israelites got their salvation or rescued by the Lord through the ten plagues. What about me and you in the New Testament? In the New Testament, we are rescued by all events in the life of Christ. So every single thing Jesus did was a gift to us as his children and a victory and defeat, a victory for us and defeat to the enemy. I will give you one example, and then you can see the whole life of Christ. On the cross, for us, it became the sign of victory. For the devil, he was disarmed totally and defeated totally. The same thing for the plagues. In the, during the time of the plagues, in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were living, was light here, and there was darkness in the other land. So he's telling us every event in the life of Christ, every single thing he did in his life, from his annunciation to ascending into the heaven, 
I was giving you a victory and defeating the enemy on your behalf. This is the second cup that we enjoyed. The third one is the cup of blessing and redemption. And we see it every day that on, on each liturgy, the Lord is giving us his life. He's giving us the same blood which was shed on the cross and the body which was broken there. The cup of praise at the very end of the liturgy, we sing all of us Psalm 150. We are praising him and we are enjoying his life flowing in the life of each one of us. Let me share with you a couple of quotes by St. Cyril of Alexandria in his commentary on the same verses in the Gospel of St. Luke. God the Father therefore gives life to all things by the Son in the Holy Spirit. It's a very famous quote to St. Asensius and St. Cyril. Every single thing is through from the Father by the Son in the Holy Spirit. And everything that exists and breathes in the heaven and on earth, its existence and life is from God the Father by the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's thinking now, after, you, after the fall, we were disconnected from the source of life. In the new Passover, is connecting us with the Son to receive the life from God the Father in, by the Son and in the Holy Spirit. The last quote by St. Cyril, in the same content. It was titling, therefore, for him to be in us both divinely by the Holy Spirit and also, so to speak, by be, being mingled with our bodies by his holy flesh and precious blood, which things also we possess as a life-giving Eucharist in the form of bread and wine. It makes a big difference when you come to the liturgy, not as the habit of a Sunday or a Saturday or whatever day. It's Receiving the life, life-giving Eucharist in the form of bread and wine. Last verse I would like to share with you is First Corinthians chapter 10. St. Paul was telling us, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? He was not just naming a nice name. The third cup, as we said a few minutes ago, it was the cup of blessing and redemption. He's telling us, now we are in a continuous Passover. Why? Because St. Paul said once more in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For Christ is our Passover, the one who started and it has no end. Every liturgy, we are not making a new one. We are not crucifying Christ once more. Because every single thing he did, it remained eternal for the whole uh, body of Christ. We pray that in the next few minutes to celebrate a real Passover, enjoy.